Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. You're not going to get acknowledgement from them. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, you're right. You did a good job. Or, oh, yeah, you're right. You contributed to my career. Or, yeah, you helped me in that situation. Or you made my life better in this way. You're not going to get that. They're not going to make it seem like, sure, you get to take credit for anything. In fact, if anything, they're going to make it look like you're the problem. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. So I'm going to give you six things to avoid here. And then at the end, I'm going to give you the number one thing to avoid, okay? So six things to avoid, and then I'm going to give you the number one thing to absolutely avoid, the mother load of things to avoid, the hairiest thing to avoid of all. All right, because let me tell you, When you are dealing with narcissists, toxic people, there actually are a number of things to avoid. All right. So I'm going to help you out here for sure. There's just so many times that you're, it's like you're dealing with a landmine when it comes to narcissists. All right. And I know because I've dealt with them in my personal life as well. And that's why I'm on this mission. I'm on this crusade. I've been recognized as one of the top attorneys in the United States. I've written a couple of best selling books, but I'm here giving you free advice every single day because I want you to have the information in your hands. So if you want that too, go ahead and subscribe and hit that notification bell as well. And by the way, if you're looking for ways to disarm that narcissist, free phrases, free responses, how to respond, you know, you don't know how to put it into emails. You don't know how to put it into text messages. You don't know what to say. I've got those responses for you. Just go to disarm the narc. Dot com, disarmthenark.com. I've got those free phrases for you. Disarmthenark.com. All right. So number one, don't try to change their mind. Don't try to change their mind. All right. Because you're never going to do that. You know, once they get it in their mind that they are going to do something, then that's it. You might be able to change their mind in other ways, but if you head on try to change it, they're going to dig their heels in and be super, super stubborn. To change a narcissist's mind, you've got to kind of plant seeds and and sort of let them kind of come to their own conclusions and let them sort of think that it was their idea. You know, you can't head on let them think that you're tra- you're changing their mind because if you do, they'll never ever change it. So, number 1, that's one thing. And I'm working my way up to the the motherload thing to avoid when talking to a narcissist or a negative person. All right, the second thing to avoid is don't ever try to get them to acknowledge anything you ever did for them or you know your accomplishments or anything like that because they're never going to do that they will never acknowledge that and by the way if you are negotiating with a narcissist don't think that early on you are generous and say and say you know what i'm going to give them this thing you know i'm going to throw in this thing that i know that they want or i know is something that i'm entitled to but i'm going to give it to them because then they'll see how generous i am and 
And then everything's going to get resolved earlier because they're going to see how nice I am, how generous I am. They don't. They either, number one, think that they're entitled to it. So they just, they're like, no, you're not being generous. That was mine to begin with, or I was entitled to that to begin with. Or number two, they just take it. They basically just throw it to the side and just go, and your point is what? I want more. They don't ever go, yeah, you did this thing or yeah, that's great what you did for them. They just don't. They don't acknowledge you. They don't see what you've done for them. It doesn't become kind of like, you know, this chip that you did early on, this great sort of generosity accomplishment that you got early on. It doesn't happen like that, you know, unfortunately. So don't think that you're going to do that early on and get some kind of goodwill for it, okay? So that's the second thing. The third thing that you want to avoid when you are talking to a narcissist or a super negative person is thinking that you're going to get closure. A lot of people just want that closure. They want that bow that tied up, hey, you know, we had a great thing. Let's wish each other well. Let's know that it was all good. And, you know, going forward, Let's be on good terms and all those things. That's what I thought when I was wrapping things up with a person in my life that I had had a business relationship with. I thought that I could do that and leave it all on good terms and have some kind of closure with it, you know, talk it through. It doesn't work that way with narcissists. They just, they're not capable of it. They, no matter what you do, even if they wanted to end the relationship, they still end up taking it personally that you were okay with it, that you're walking away from it. Even if you didn't want to walk away from it, they still end up looking at you as an enemy. No matter what, if you're not for them, then you're against them. You're not going to get that closure. You're still going to end up being public enemy number one. It's not going to feel fair it's still going to be awful. You're just, you're not going to get that. So don't think that. Avoid talking to them about that. Avoid thinking that you're going to get that nice little neat bow at the end of that. Just avoid that conversation. Avoid trying to have that closure conversation because you're not going to get the thing that you think that you're going to. And in fact, you end up going to, you're going to end up hurting yourself more than anything because whatever you say or do will end up being used against you no matter what, because, you know, they will end up, you know, saying and twisting things that you do. Okay. So, which leads me to the next thing, which is don't argue with them because when you argue with them, then you will end up getting into that quicksand with them. And, you know, that's exactly what they want you to do when you argue with them. Now you're getting into the thick of it. And, you know, I remember, you know, some of the narcissists that I've known, they'd be like, yeah, now we're getting into it. Now we're having a conversation. You know, they actually enjoy that. You know, they get off on it. They get a high on it. And you are out of your realm. Because especially if you are, you know, an empath and you think that you are going to get to a resolution, you think that you are covering ground, you think that you are getting to an end point, you are not, you know, they are trying to just keep you spinning your wheels. They're just, you know, yanking your chain, spinning your yarn. And it ends up costing you money, costing you time, costing you energy, your mental health, your soul, the whole thing. You are just arguing with them and they're just getting narcissistic supply out of the deal. You're going nowhere. So you just, that is just one of those things that you really need to avoid. And by the way, I've gone through four things so far. I still haven't gotten to the number one thing that you need to avoid, by the way. 
day, okay? These are just other things that you need to avoid. There's still not even the number one thing that you need to avoid. Have you figured out what the number one thing is yet? Haven't even gotten to it yet. These are all just other things that you need to avoid, all right? The next thing that you need to avoid, which is still not the number one thing, but is a fifth thing that you need to avoid is definitely avoid defending yourself. Do not defend yourself. Do not go, I didn't do that. That's not me. Are you kidding me? You think that I did that? What are you saying? I'm not a horrible person with money. I don't steal. I'm not a child molester. I don't do, what are you saying? How can you accuse me of that? You know, those are the kinds of things that narcissists want you to say. I don't beat children. I don't do, you know, I'm not a horrible mother or a deadbeat dad. You know, those are the kinds of things that narcissists want you to say. They want you to get into it with them, right? They want you to say those things because that is where they get you down into it again, right? Arguing with the, they pull you into that quicksand. They pull you into that mud, right? They start going down into it. Oh, you bought a dog that was a designer poodle or a designer this or that. And you're like, what? I got the dog at the pound and can I can prove it? You know, and then there you are defending yourself. Don't go down the path. Don't do it. When you defend yourself, you're agreeing that there is an issue. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is say, I deny. I deny what you're saying. No, there's no merit to what you are saying. You know, there's so much more merit in short, short things. You know, never explain, justify, or overshare. Just the facts. Stay strong. You can do it. And by the way, still haven't gotten to number one. Still haven't gotten to number one, which is what I'm going to do right now. Are you ready for number one? The number one thing to avoid when talking to a narcissist or a negative person, the number one thing, which I've kind of alluded to here so far, but I haven't actually come out and said it yet. The number one thing to avoid when talking to a narcissist is do not take their bait. Do not take their bait because they're going to give you a lot of it. They're going to pull it out and they're going to reel you in like that. Like you are some kind of fish on their, like on their hook. And then there you are coming in like that. And like they hooked you like a fish. Okay. And you know, dealing with a narcissist is like getting arrested. Like everything you say or do is going to end up being used against you, right? And you don't want to have to deal with that. And this is whether you're dealing with it in a case, a court case, or any kind of situation. It can be any kind of a negotiation or anything. Okay, so we're going to go through the top five mistakes that people make when dealing with narcissists. And I've seen these when people are negotiating with narcissists and also in dealing with them. And I've also made them myself in dealing with the narcissists that I've had to deal with. I had to deal with a couple of covert narcissists in my personal life as well, one in a business setting and one in a family setting. The one I'm saving for last is the reason why I really wanted to make this video. Okay, so stay tuned for that. Okay, so number one is do not make the mistake of falling into the trap of their future faking. They will future fake you. They will make you think that they've changed. What happens is you will leave. You will maybe come back. You will think that they have changed. They have not changed, okay? 
Do not think that they have changed. Do not fall for that. Do not come into thinking that they may have changed. I have interviewed people on this. I have talked to people on this. You can listen to my interviews on this. You can talk to people on this. Don't think that they have changed. They have not changed. Unfortunately, they just don't. So don't fall for that. That's one of the top five mistakes that we make is falling for the future fake, thinking they may have changed when they have not. Don't fall for it. You know what future faking is, right? It's like things are going to be better now, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like a love bomb, but it's already happened. Like you're you're already in the relationship. And when you're trying to hold them accountable for something and them saying, oh, things are going to be different now thing, don't look into the past, look to the future. Don't think that they're going to change. They won't. It's a whole manipulation. Okay. Number two is don't think that you're going to get closure from them. You're not going to. Okay. Just forget about it. I thought that I was going to be able to get closure in my relationship with the the business narcissist. And you just, you can't. I thought that I was going to be able to have a nice amicable relationship going forward. You can't. And I've seen people fall prey to this many times as well. And you're just not going to be able to do that. As much as you try to wrap things up in a nice little bow and move forward nicely, they're just not capable. They're just too wounded. And so as as much as you think that you're going to try to get that closure, you're going to have to get your own closure. Just knowing that you can move forward, knowing that you are healed, knowing that you are going to be a better person from everything that you're learning from this situation, that's the closure that you're getting. The next big mistake that we make in dealing with narcissists is hoping for acknowledgement from them and thinking that you're going to maybe get acknowledgement for anything that you contributed to the relationship because you're not going to get it. You're not going to get acknowledgement from them. They're not going to say, oh yeah, you're right, you did a good job, or oh yeah, you're right, you contributed to my career, or yeah, you helped me in that situation, or you made my life better in this way. You're not going to get that. They're not going to make it seem like, sure, you get to take credit for anything. In fact, if anything, they're going to make it look like you're the problem. You know, I have a whole video on that, you know, five ways that they actually try to make you look like the problem. And you can check out my video on that. So they're definitely not going to give you credit for anything. And and so we make this mistake of thinking, try to give me credit for this. Try to give me, acknowledge me. And if I could just talk to you one more time, if I could just get you to see, stop, stop banging your head against that wall. Banging your head against a brick wall would actually be more satisfying. So that's the next big, huge mistake. All right. And the next one is expecting any kind of loyalty whatsoever. You're not going to get any kind of loyalty. The only loyalty that they have is to the highest bidder for their supply. You know that they need an endless amount of narcissistic supply. They, you know that they, they're going to go to wherever the best form of supply is that they can get. And so that's where they're going to go. I mean, they're, they're going to go to wherever they can get it. They're like vultures. So if, if down the road, there is a better form of it, that's where they're heading. I mean, they're not going to have loyalty toward you if there's a better form of supply somewhere else. So you can't take that personally because it really doesn't have anything to do with you. It only has to do with them. Okay, you ready for the last one? This is really the reason why I wanted to do this video. I was actually going to maybe just do the video on just this topic. I was actually thinking about maybe just doing it on the one big mistake that we make with narcissists. But then I thought, well, there's so many. So I I decided I didn't mention the other ones. But this is really one that... I see so often in negotiating that I thought I have to mention this one. Okay. And that is thinking any sort of like this gratuitous giving is going to garner some sort of favor down the road. It doesn't. Okay. So if you think 
that you're negotiating with them in some way and that giving them something on the front end is going to get you something on the back end, you're like totally kidding yourself because it's not. They're just going to take it and like, okay, great. And your point is what? It's like, it's done. They have it and that's it. And now they want more. So what I see a lot of times is people will say, well, I'm going to show them how nice I'm being because I'll show them I don't want any part of their retirement or I'll show them that I won't touch this or I won't ask them for support or whatever, giving up leverage. And then they just take that. And then they realize down halfway into the case that they're like, did it didn't help at all. The narcissist is being horrible and horrendous anyway. And now they've given up that leverage. Now they wish they hadn't been that way. Or they didn't hire the good lawyer, or they didn't get a a custody agreement done at the beginning like their lawyer told them to, or whatever it was that they didn't do because they thought that this gratuitous giving will garner some sort of favor for them down the road. It doesn't. It's a big lie. It's a big fat waste of time. They will not honor agreements. They'll just take and they will not see that and acknowledge that. And you're just going to end up feeling used and abused. Let me just tell you, if they were a lying, denying, horrible spouse, they're not going to be better during the divorce. And by the way, this goes for if you're breaking up in a business relationship or any kind of a relationship. This is a massive mistake that I see with people. That somehow you think that if you show them how nice you are, that they're going to see that and that you'll be rewarded for that. You won't. Don't fall into that trap. You got to take care of yourself. You got to do what you have to do to end up at fair. And don't feel guilty for that. Do what you have to do to take care of yourself. Do what you have to do to take care of your family if you have kids. Narcissists terrorize you in lots of different ways, but they terrorize you especially when you get into a car. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? They love to do that because you're in a confined area And now you can't go anywhere. And so all the supply is for them and them alone. Remember, they love to manipulate you. They love to see you squirm. They love to control you, to degrade you, to to get that supply. That's what they live for. You know, they they live for many different types of supply, but supply is the name of the game. That's what, that's their food. I I always say it's their food, their lifeblood, their oxygen. It's the only thing that they need. When you get into a car, here you go. You're off to the races. And, you know, so what happens is you're going along and you say something the wrong way or you look at them wrong or whatever the conversation turns you know you're on your way to a party or a dinner or somebody's house and depending on what is going on their mood may be a certain way. And they may or may not want to go to this place. So it it may be that there's already some sort of passive aggression going on. This is very important, especially if they are driving. Now, if they're driving this car, they've got control of the situation, which is already a problem. Okay, because now they've got control over you in that way. 
there's so many things involved with that because, you know, if they don't want to go to this place, wherever it is that you're going, then there's that that underlying resentment that's just below the surface, just below the surface. They could be jealous of the fact that the attention's not going to be on them, jealous of the fact that your attentions are going to be elsewhere, jealous of the fact that attentions are going to be somewhere else, you know, I mean, there's just so much that they could be feeling like they are going to be less than the people that are at that party or whatever it is. Maybe the people that are going to be there are more successful than they are. So there's all kinds of things that are going on. Or it just could be that wherever it is that you're coming from, they're upset about what happened there. Or it could be that you're just fighting about something else in general. It couldn't, it might not be anything that happened at a place that you were just at or is has anything to do with where you're going. It could be that you're fighting about something in your lives. All of this in consideration now they're driving the car so they get to use the fact that they're driving this car as an opportunity to control you. So what's one of the ways that they do that? They can start driving erratically. They can start driving violently. So that's number one. They can actually scare you in that way, especially if you're on a freeway or something like that. They can actually start going, okay, you know, and and then you're like scared. Please don't do this. Please don't drive. Please don't drive quickly. What are you doing? Please slow down. And and they they actually think this kind of stuff is funny. And and that's the thing that's evil about it, sort of maniacal about it. They they enjoy the process of watching you squirm. It's it's dangerous a lot of times. So, you know, that's number one. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to Shopify dot com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life. Number two is they can oftentimes threaten to kick you out of the car when you don't know where you are. And I've seen especially you know, in my days as a divorce attorney, where I've heard stories of that they've actually taken that step where they stopped and made the person get out of the car and left them where they didn't know where they were. Or maybe it's miles and miles away from home or something like that. Now, nowadays, I guess if you have your cell phone, You can call, you can call for an Uber or whatever. But I've actually also heard stories of where they threw them out, they didn't have their cell phone. Or, you know, the other thing that they might do is take your belongings and throw them out the window 
take your cell phone, throw it out the window, things like that. That's something else that they might do. All right. So that's number two. Number three is that they can threaten to turn the car around and not go to the event. You know, a lot of times once that narcissistic rage comes flying out that their narcissistic injury is triggered, you know, because that limbic brain is taken over, that emotional part of their brain has taken over. They don't see reason anymore. It's just that that rage has taken over and that's it. That's what's happening. You are at the effect of their rage at that point. And honestly, at that point, it may be better for you to not be in that car anymore. You know, where I said number two, where they, you know, make you get out of the car. If they, if you're out of that car and you've got your phone, it may be better for you at some point because number three is, they threaten to turn the car around, threaten to not go to the event. And a lot of times maybe they do that, turn the car around, not go to the event, especially if it's something that's very, very important to you. You've dressed up for it. It's going to make you look very bad if you don't attend or if you're late. Maybe it's something for your work or something like that, you know, it's Especially if it's going to make you look bad if you don't go. You know, they, they love to do things like that. So that's number three. Number four is they might pick a fight with you and then just not let up. They might just pick at you and keep going and just this constant verbal assault, especially if it's a long car ride. And why did you do that? And I I want answers and you never told me this. And you know, and and just go on and on and on and as many times as you try to give them answers and I never said that and you're twisting my words and, you know, it'll go on and on and on. It just will not let up because they know that you are in this confined space. And so, you know, your stomach is in knots and you've got this pain in your chest and you you probably have a headache and you probably can't breathe. But there you are, you're stuck there because you're in this small confined find space and it's so tiring, right? I mean, so that's number four. Number five is the opposite of number four. Number five might be that you want to talk about something and you say, you know, this has been in my mind. I really want to talk about something. This is really important to me. Please answer me on something. And then they just refuse to talk at all. Utter silence. Absolutely clam up. Won't speak to you at all. Refuse. Refuse to talk at all. Refuse to give you any answers. Just look forward as if you don't exist whatsoever. Completely ignore you as if you're not even present. On one hand, it's start a fight, not let up, at you, at you, at you. Or the other one is just completely shut you out as if you don't exist whatsoever. So that's number five, stonewall you completely. Either way, it's you don't get the satisfaction of having healthy communication. You know, contrast that with healthy communication, which is what you deserve to have as a human being which is what your soul deserves and what you know you deserve to have as a human being. 
which is why you're here watching this video, by the way, because deep in your gut, you know that that is what you are supposed to be having. I do want you to know that I have phrases for disarming narcissists. And regardless of where you are in life or who you're dealing with, you can start to place some boundaries. So grab your free phrases for disarming narcissists at disarmthenarc.com, which is my gift to you, disarmthenarc.com. And join my free private Facebook group, by the way, which is Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. And make sure you start to get the help and support that you need. Okay, and then number six is physical abuse, which is completely not okay. So if they start to hit you, if they start to smack you, that is completely a non-starter, completely a non-starter. And that's when you absolutely just need to say, I, I need to be done with this relationship completely. I mean, really, it's not just boundaries at that point. It's go and, you know, start to plan for your exit. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. As soon as you throw up a boundary, they want to just step right over it because they believe that everything and everyone belongs to them. They see people as property. A boundary is just a challenge for them. They want to just cross it as soon as you put it up. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets, and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. You don't actually just leave a relationship with a narcissist. Nobody just nicely walks away and says, hey guys, you know, this has been a nice, you know, let's stay friends. I thought that I could do that. I was in a business relationship with a narcissist and boy, was I dead wrong. And now we return to today's show. Today, we're going to be talking about the shocking words, the 10 words narcissists just cannot handle. So you can use them at your discretion or not. Never put yourself in any kind of danger though, of course. Number one is empathy. They don't like the word empathy. Why don't they like the word empathy? Well, because they don't have any. And so they struggle to handle the concept of the word empathy as it goes against their self-centered nature. They find it difficult to understand or connect with the word in people's emotions or experiences. So they just shut down when you try to use the word empathy. They get very defensive. They get very angry when you use the word empathy. If you ever try to express your feelings to a narcissist, notice how they dismiss your feelings. They turn the conversation back to themselves, or they fail to acknowledge your feelings. Or if there's a group setting, you know, when somebody tries to share a personal story or a struggle, they respond with a lack of empathy. They try to one-up a person or they show indifference or impatience. They don't like that. They, they're very uncomfortable with 
the idea that they might have to show empathy toward a person. That is number one. Number two is accountability. They don't want to have to be accountable. They don't want to have to be held accountable. So they avoid taking responsibility for their actions and they tend to blame others or external factors for any negative outcomes. The idea of being held accountable threatens their fragile self-image as it would require admitting flaws or mistakes, projection, deflection, as they normally do. So if you confront a narcissistic person about something that they did wrong, they might deflect the blame onto others, but most often you. If it's a professional setting, it's a co-worker's fault or it was unforeseen circumstances, aunt died. They just try to shift blame onto something or someone else. So accountability is is number two. The next one is vulnerability. They do not like vulnerability. So showing emotions, showing their heart, that requires a level of openness that they're uncomfortable with. They fear that it makes them look weak. They don't want to look weak in the eyes of others. They don't want to have to look imperfect. And it undermines their this facade that they have. If you've ever seen them, they have like this facade of in- invincibility and they want to downplay their struggles. They've got this these two halves of themselves. They want to avoid discussing anything about vulnerability, discussing you know fears or doubts, or they want to have this unwavering confidence. They want to look like they are perfect at all times. They act like they hate you all half the time. Are you ready to transform lives at the deepest level while also earning money and taking your career to the highest heights? Well, if so, then my brand new Slay Master High Conflict Negotiation Certification training is exactly what you have been looking for. Get ready to acquire the essential skills necessary to guide your already existing clients or team members through the intricacies of dealing with challenging personalities, or you can become a brand new certified coach and ignite an amazing new career and start off by knowing that you can make a real difference in people's lives. Hi, I'm Rebecca Zung, and I'm an attorney, and I've been named a best lawyer in America by US News, and I'm also a globally recognized narcissist negotiation expert. I'm also the author of a best-selling book, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win, and I'm the founder of the Slay Method of Negotiating with High-Conflict Personality. I am a certified coach also, and I, as a certified master coach in the Slay Method, you will be able to guide your clients or your team members through the complexity of dealing with high conflict or narcissistic personalities, including using the power of my proven Slay Method. I've literally helped thousands of people across the globe with this method, and it has saved lives in negotiating people from lives of drama, trauma, and chaos to step into lives of freedom, possibility, and purpose. And you will be able to help them do the exact same thing into finding lives of freedom and ultimately respect, acknowledgement, and that feeling of knowing that you have helped people at their deepest level, at their deepest level of their soul, and you will be able to be paid for that. And it's not just about helping others, by the way, it's about investing in yourself and your own future. By joining this training, you will be investing in your own professional growth, enhancing your own quality of life and unlocking limitless earning potential. Are you ready to take charge of your destiny and help shape the destinies of others while making more money doing it? Then join my free workshop, High Conflict Negotiation Certification, Boost Your Authority and Your Income. Discover why high conflict coaches are in huge demand right now, both personally and professionally. Learn how to coach people through crises master emotional triggers 
and conquer their fears, all while boosting your authority and your income. Don't miss out on this exclusive life-changing opportunity. Just click the link to sign up for this free workshop right now. I have a video on why the narcissist hates you, by the way, um, which you can definitely check out. And I recommend that you do. That's number three. Number four is forgiveness. I don't want to talk about forgiveness. They hate that word. You know, they struggle to forgive others because it involves letting go. They don't want to have to let go of their need for power and control. Holding grudges is what they want to do. They want to maintain that sense of superiority and see themselves as morally superior to everybody else. And they want to refuse to forgive others. You know, if you've ever dealt with a narcissist in these situations, they they were they hold on to grudges for years, years and years and years. I've seen narcissists like they brought up stuff like like nobody has remembered before. Oh, remember that thing that you did to me like 15 years ago, you know, on this trip and we went out to this dinner or whatever. What in the hell are you talking about? Like, that's what they do. They hold grudges like forever. That is what they do. I mean, how sad is it to be them, to be walking around with that crap inside of them? It's so poisonous. But if you're dealing with it, it is extremely draining. If you need additional support, you know, make sure that you get the additional therapy that you need for sure. And if you don't have access to therapy, we do have a sponsor on this channel, which is BetterHelp. And you can get access to that through betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung. We receive commissions on that only because it's a sponsor, but it doesn't cost you any extra. We just want you to have the help and support that you need. And we have a support group here, which is Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung on Facebook. Join that for sure as well. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we carry them and we bottle them up, it can definitely affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get them off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know it's definitely been helpful for me in learning how to deal with past trauma and set boundaries and be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's super convenient because it's all online and flexible. Just Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash negotiate. The next word that they hate is equality. They don't want equality. They don't want things to be equal. They think that they should have it all. They don't want you to have balance. They want all the, the the attention on them and nothing for you. You know, they might say they want things to be equal sometimes, but they don't want that. They want the constant need for validation coming this way. And it threatens their sense of entitlement. And they believe that they should have special treatment and special recognition in a social situation, right? All the attention and everything should be on them. That's why they constantly ruin holidays, which I have a whole video on that too, by the way. And a professional setting, they dismiss everybody else's contributions. They think that their ideas should be more valuable. And then point number six is constructive criticism. They'd hate those words too, you know, because they have extremely fragile egos. So they can't handle criticism. Extremely sensitive. You know, I always say narcissists hear tones like dogs hear whistles. Like even if you don't have tone, they hear tone, especially any kind of criticism whatsoever. No matter how delicate you try to make it seem, they perceive everything to be a person personal attack. They take everything super personally. And that's how why they end up like sabotaging themselves and their own lives and their own jobs. If you've ever tried to give a narcissist constructive 
feedback. They reject any kind of self-improvement or growth. Everything is an attack for them. And at work, team projects, they reject any kind of helpful suggestions, right? They don't want any sort of feedback because it's an attack on their perceived superiority. Point number seven is the word that they hate is authenticity. They hate the word authenticity because of course, they're not authentic. Everything about them is fake, including their their power. Their sense of power is totally fake. So that's why I always say to you, the power that you're building through this knowledge and becoming the truest, most powerful version of yourself is actually authentic. And their power is built on a house of cards. What you're building right here is true, authentic power. And once you get on the other side of this, you will become the most powerful version of yourself. And that means building your true love, your self-love, flaws and all. They don't have that. Brene Brown talks about the power of vulnerability. And that's what you are building here. You're you're building that. They constantly are wearing masks. And and when they are confronted or exposed, they react to that through anger, through lies, through avoiding facing the truth. That's how you best build your leverage. And that's how you build it through my slay methodology, through my strategy, leverage, anticipating and focusing on you. And if you don't have Crush My Negotiation Prep Worksheet, grab that at winmynegotiation.com. It's a free 15-page ebook to help you start winning your negotiation. Grab that now at winmynegotiation.com because it will help you get started in winning your negotiation. The next word that they hate is boundaries. They hate the word boundaries, of course, because they don't think they should have any. I mean, they want full and total control, right? As soon as you throw up a boundary, they want to just step right over it because they believe that everything and everyone belongs to them. They see people as property. A boundary is just a challenge for them. They want to just cross it as soon as you put it up. But you have to maintain your boundary. You have to say, as soon as I'm putting up a boundary, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to fix it, fix it and keep it fixed. They're going to ignore your space and disregard your boundaries. So regardless of of their feelings, you've got to take care of yourself. And then number nine, the the next word that they hate is emotional intimacy. They want to know everything about you, but they're not going to tell you anything about them. They don't want closeness. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want that potential criticism or rejection because they want things to remain superficial. They don't want emotional intimacy. They don't want that deep connection. They feel very at risk with emotional vulnerability. They struggle very much. They choose instead to focus on outside things, external validation and accomplishments and external admiration. And then the last one is self-reflection. They're not doing any sort of self-reflection and they don't want anyone to even think about coming to them for self-reflection, self-awareness, and they run like hell. It's like, you know, vampires with daylight with uh, self-reflection. So that's why they don't want to go to therapy or anything like that. I mean, if they're forced to go to any sort of like marriage counseling or anything like that, it's just a big scam. It's just a big manipulation scam to try to make everybody think that the other person is the bad one and they're the good one. Because they're not going to do any sort of self-reflection. They're desperately trying to avoid looking like they're the ones that need to take any sort of accountability. They have to keep this self-perceived image of perfection. They have to do this project, deflect, lie in and deny it. And that's what they're going to constantly do. They're never going to self-reflect. That's why a lot of times people who are mental health professionals won't even take narcissists as clients because they're not even capable of self-reflecting or or having any sort of self-awareness. Those are the 10 words, the 10 shocking words that narcissists just can't handle. I would love to know which one is your favorite, which of the ones that you've tried, that you have seen. The one that I didn't include in here is 
narcissist because obviously they don't love that word either. But these are definitely other words that they just cannot stand. I mean, definitely an eye-opening, shocking words that they just can't handle when you're trying to have a conversation with them, when you're trying to have a normal, reasonable, regular relationship with a narcissist. These are just regular words that you would want to be able to have a conversation or, or be able to connect with a person with. And you're just not going to be able to. Okay, how to identify a narcissist from conversation. Eight ways, telltale signs that you're talking to somebody and you're like, yeah, that person's definitely a narcissist. And it's not what you might think. It's not saying something good about themselves, okay? Just because somebody says, I'm good at something or yeah, I did a good job. That does not make that person a narcissist. That's okay. It's all right if somebody says something good about themselves. Actually, we should encourage people to say something good about themselves. A narcissist is a person who actually, you know, they're they're a self-centered person. It's never about anybody else other than themselves. Okay. So this is a person who number one, probably interrupts a lot. The other person is talking and literally mid-sentence, they're just so completely oblivious to the fact that another person is talking, they just start interrupting and, and they don't even realize that the other person is talking. They don't go, oh, I'm sorry, I, you were saying something, go ahead or whatever. They just start talking. And especially, you know, if it's like early on in the relationship or something like that, and just let the other person just go, especially if they're just mostly talking about themselves or, you know, something in their own lives or whatever. That's like definitely a telltale sign. Number one, they interrupt a lot. Number two is they never stop talking about themselves. They're just during an early phase of the relationship, you should be hearing questions about you. Tell me about you. Tell me about your life. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your job. The person should be interested or at least vain interest in you. This is a person who like if all they can't do is to talk about themselves, you know, you might as well be a piece of furniture on the other side of the table. That's going to be a problem. Okay. They don't stop talking about themselves. The next one is they don't even stop to ask about you. I've noticed this even long into relationships with people sometimes. I remember having a client one time who was always, um, you know, a fixture, basically. He became a fixture in our office because he was just so wrapped up in his case and he was, you know, so worried about his kids all the time. And he was a, a likable guy in a lot of ways. And he became, you know, really close to one of my paralegals. He became really close to one of my associates. My whole staff got to know him pretty well because, you know, his case was like going on forever and everybody got to, you know, be a part of it. But then one of my paralegals said, you know, I just kind of noticed that you know, he was never really interested in anybody else other than himself. Like he never really asked about what was going on in any of our lives. He never asked about me or my kids or anything like that. And, and you know, she just got kind of got tired of it because she just felt like he didn't really care about anybody but himself. And so she just you know, eventually when the case was over, the guy, I guess, thought that he was going to become friends with our paralegal or some of the other staff or whatever. And she was just like, ah, no, I just feel like he's just too self-centered, you know? You know, it was like one thing when the case was going because obviously everything was about him, but she just said like, even when the case wrapped up, he still continued to not be interested in anybody but himself. So, you know, if a person doesn't ever stop to ask about you, that could be a really big red flag. Or maybe number four, maybe they do stop to ask about you, but they don't stop to listen to the answer or they're not interested in the answer. I know I've definitely been at cocktail parties or barbecues or social functions where somebody has asked me, you know, how are things at work or whatever, you know, how's everything? And then I start to answer them and then they start looking at their phone. 
or they start looking around and, you know, maybe there's somebody, they're looking for somebody more interesting to talk to, or they're kind of half listening to the answer or, and you start going, well, you know, maybe it's not all that interesting. Like, you don't really care about like answering a cool question because they're not really all that interested in hearing about it anyway. So whatever. Like if, if somebody asks about you or what's going on and then they don't really listen to the answer or they're not interested or maybe they just sort of kind of like interrupt the answer halfway through, then that's another uh, part of it too. That might be a telltale sign that the person is a narcissist. Number five is constant criticism. Constant criticism of others. They're just judgy. These are super judgy people. They're just, this person is that, this person is that, my ex was this. He's constantly wanting to like talk about other people. Everybody is a problem. Constantly criticizing other people. You know, that just is low vibrational energy. And that is just a no zone for me at this point in my life anymore. I don't feel like having it around. No, I want good people in my life. High vibration people, happy people. So if if that's something that you're happening, then I'm thinking that's a, not a good person. Another sign. Number six is gaslighting. They're, they're talking and they're saying something and they literally just said something to make you crazy. So I had the funniest conversation with somebody recently. He was a friend of mine who happens to be Chinese and he was talking about how his grandma Literally, it's a funny, funny gaslighting example where he was saying that his grandma got in a car accident and she was kind of like gaslighting the person that she hit because it happened to be like a 16-year-old where it was like basically her fault. And she got out and she was like, it's okay, you know, you're an inexperienced driver. Like basically like trying to make it seem like it was his fault. Obviously, I don't think his grandma is a narcissist, but I don't know. But, you know, basically gaslighting the other person, like that's a way to identify a narcissist from conversation. Like trying to make the other person think they're crazy. Number seven is lack of interest in others. Like they're just not interested in anyone else either. So, you know, I've been talking about not interested in you or the other person, like whoever it is that they're talking to, but they're just not really interested in anyone else either. They're just only interested in themselves. So that's number seven. And number eight, inability to accept any form of criticism at all. And, and, even like the slightest thing, they sometimes they, they take things as slights or criticisms that aren't slights or criticism. When you're saying something about them, they take things as slights or criticisms that actually aren't. There's a discrepancy in the bill at the restaurant or something, and they take that as like personal affront or something. I mean, I remember being with some a family member one time who was dating somebody who was, you know, a little bit crazy. And the person was like upset because they didn't get as many French fries as other people. And they take that as like a personal affront. Things that are like, they just see things that aren't there kinds of, uh, of things, you know. So inability to take slights or criticisms, that can be a massive, huge problem. And you can identify narcissists that way as well. One secret tactic that is guaranteed to put a narcissist in their place is narcissistic fluffing. And I know this seems so crazy, but it's bordering to get what you want. I call it fluff for favor, vomit later. So what you do is you ethically manipulate the manipulator You go up to them and you say, hey, can you do the QuickBooks? You are so much better at it than I am. And so then you get something that you want. They do it. And then, you know, if you need to go vomit or or shower later, that's fine. But you got something that you wanted and it puts them in their place. You got something that you wanted and they're none the wiser. Right. So it's a little secret tactic that's guaranteed to put them in their place. You take your ego out of it. Fluff or favor, 
vomit later. So that's one secret tactic that's guaranteed to put a narcissist in their place. Another secret tactic to put a narcissist in their place, it's a great way to gather leverage against them is to keep them talking. They have no idea what you're doing. They love to talk about themselves. They love to tell you all about what's going on. And then you will figure out what's actually motivating them. Remember that what really motivates a narcissist is how they look to the world. What I call diamond level supply, that supply that feeds them, that motivates them is their ego. So it could be that new girlfriend or that the, the employees that they work with, whoever it is that makes them, that beefs up their ego the most in the world. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Slayers, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast I'm excited about, Creating Confidence, hosted by Heather Monahan, a part of the Yap Media Network. Heather sits down with experts like Gary Vee, Sarah Blakely, and Les Brown to share with you techniques and strategies to create your confidence, pursue your dreams, and leapfrog villains you'll meet along the way. Creating confidence is about elevating your confidence to the highest level ever and take your business right there with you. Don't believe me? I'm going to share some of the amazing reviews that I've seen on Apple. Here's one. Heather has the perfect gems of wisdom that not only inspire you, but motivate you into action. I recommend it to anyone who wants to elevate their reach and go to that next level. How about that? That's amazing. Here's another one. Heather is so inspiring and each episode is filled with tips and tricks on how to become more confident and live the life of your dreams. So if you are looking to level up your confidence, check out Creating Confidence now. Subscribe to Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is.